What's going on, people? You're back, rocking with the very best in the business for another episode of the Hoop Genius Podcast. Myself, Mo Mootsi, a.k.a. the Hoop Genius. And of course, the one and only point guard guru, the man with the three championship rings that he never wears because he's too humble. He doesn't want to flex on everyone. Mr. BJ Armstrong. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm good, Mo. You know, it's a lot of NBA basketball. And let's get into it. Well, it's been an interesting week. It's been an interesting week. And as you know, we keep it real on this show. We chop it up with what the people want to hear. So I thought, what better this week than to answer directly to the fans of the show? I said to the fans of the show this morning, I said, listen, me and BJ are about to record. Let me know what you want to hear. So send us your questions and we'll answer them for you live and direct here on the show. So if you ain't, Make sure you're following BJ and myself on the Twitter sphere. Also, big up to all the new listeners coming in from TikTok. I see you guys. TikTok's doing numbers. The amount of people defending Paul George in the comment section on TikTok is astounding. Shout out to you guys. The amount of people defending Rudy Gobert is also astounding. But guess what, guys? I'm not going to stop making fun of them until they win a championship. So without further Mo, ado, how could you how could you do how could you do that? How could you do that? <laughs> Paul George, Paul George is on my MVP. Oh, he's, he's on, on my MVP too. list right now. He's he's on mine too. He's on my he's top five for me. And if you remember, I actually said before the season he'd be top five. But guess what? BJ, guess what? I simply don't care. I still <laughs> simply don't care. He could win the MVP and I still won't care. I need to see him do it in the playoffs. But anyway, we're not talking about Paul George. They're going to be hating on me in the comments again. We've got some great questions. We've got lots of questions, actually. You guys have sent in tons. So if we don't answer yours today, we'll do it in a future episode. The first question comes in from Mr. Ross MacLeod. I don't know if that's MacLeod. I don't know how to pronounce it. He's from Scotland. After a slow start, the Suns have gained momentum. After a slow start, the Suns gained momentum on an eight-game win streak without DeAndre Ayton. Having role players stepped up like Kaminsky and McGee have plugged the gap in the short term. With the return of Ayton, do you see this team pushing into the top of the West as a true contender? Now, BJ, regular listeners of the show know your thoughts on the Phoenix Suns. Tell Ross and the other Phoenix Suns fans here in the UK what your take is for the team that was in the NBA Finals last season? Well, at the beginning of the season, Mo, as you know, and, and all of our regular listeners know, I've picked the Phoenix Suns to come out of the Western Conference. And after a slow start, which is to be expected, because they went now from being the hunters to being hunted. Mm -hmm. I think they have settled in and adjusted to taking every other team's best shot. They've responded and what I like what they've done beautifully is they've simplified the game because DeAndre Ayton is a player that had a terrific season a year ago. DeAndre Ayton now is in a contract year and it's been reported that he's asking for X amount of dollars, which is upwards towards the max. Mm -hmm. And there's some discussion within the NBA circles on whether or not he's an NBA max player or not. However, you can see that the rest of the team, in particular Chris Paul, they've simplified the game to where now you're getting key contributions at the center position from two players, JaVale McGee and Frank the Tank. <laughs> hey, Wisconsin's <laughs> finest. 
Wisconsin's finest. And they've simplified it. I think now they've gotten adjusted as the season is going on. They have made the game one where they've come to expect their centers to do two things, basically defend, finish at the basket, and play the game the way it's being currently played now in the NBA. And they have two excellent centers who give you really two different looks. JaVale is a finisher, rim protector, and Frank is a skilled player who can shoot the three ball, move out, pick and pop. So I like what they've done. I like the fact that the team is continuing to move forward. But more importantly, Mo, there wasn't a layover from a year ago, right? They now have gone on from a team that they had a lot of success last year. They came back this year. They said, oh, all the other teams are now measuring themselves against us. And they've responded. And they've responded without a very good player because you know I really like DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. However, this team has responded. They've continued to play well. And even though he, he is absent, will come out of the West. I think they are primed. I think they are ready. And I like what they're doing, doing even in the absence of a terrific player like DeAndre Ayton. I have two thoughts on this situation. The first, JaVale McGee, your boy. What's with the sunglasses? He's wearing those tinted visors in the game, looking like he's about to do the Tour de France. And you know what? Since he put on those visor glasses, he's been balling out. So fair play to him. I might have to try out a pair. <laughs> Number two. Hey, 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 hey. Can I just say something real quick? Go on. Can go I on, say something on. real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The sun is shining in the in the valley of the sun. It's bright out there. <laughs> he needs the go. He, he needs the Mo. goggles. He needs, he needs the goggles. Mo. Hey. hey, Mo, Mo. You know why I call him sun? Because <laughs> he's shining. Because he's shining like one. He's shining right now. Hey, and... The second thing, aside from Javel shining, BJ, you know what season it is. It's always secure the bag season. But as you mentioned, in the contract year, DeAndre Ayton, the more games he misses, he's missed five straight games. The Suns have won eight straight games. The more games he misses and the more games they win without him, all that money starts to slip through his fingers because teams look at it like, okay, well, they're a great team with him in. Great. But even without him, they're still winning most of their games. So can we get by with a JaVel McGee or Frank Kaminsky on maybe a mid-level deal or maybe a veteran's deal? Or do we need to pay the 20 million that this kid's asking for? Now, I don't know. All I know is he needs to get back healthy and get back on the court because you can't make any money sitting on the sidelines. We've got more questions, though. More questions. Um... There's so many here that I don't even know where to start, but there's an interesting one coming in from SBNBA. I'm not sure what the SB stands for, but he says, how do you solve a problem like the Pelicans? Not really sure what they're trying to do with their team. Worried about Zion's fitness and also his attitude. BJ, how would you fix things down in New Orleans? So what's the, what's the situation as you currently perceive it? Well, you never know how a situation really is, Mo, until you're actually in it. So, but I'm going to comment about this based on what I've seen from afar and and what it looks to be from the outside. Zion, who is out for whatever the reasons may be, he has had a history with health since he's entered into this league. When he is on the court, though, you can see he is excellent. He's terrific. He puts up 
huge numbers, and you can see he affects the bottom line. The best ability now, Mo, is availability. Mm-hmm. And Zion has not been available. So the first thing I would do, Mo, if I were down there in New Orleans, is to really figure out what is the availability, a realistic availability, you know, and looking through the, through the, through the, through the hourglass, I should say, of what is, what's his real availability? Is he going to be a player that's going to be a 50-game-a-year player? Can he get that to 70 to 75 games per year? Because when he's on the floor, Mo, he's terrific. Superstar. Now, he really is. I mean, he is terrific, not only on the off. You know, he was, you know, starting to rebound the basketball, and he was playing kind of a facilitator-type role, which was very interesting at his size. So the first thing I would do, Mo, is to really find out where is his health and what does that look like to the future of this organization? That's the first thing, because without him being on the floor, we're going to continue to have these expectations hanging over us and we're not delivering. That's the first thing. The second thing is they have to get a lead guard in there, a lead guard, because you can't just continue to give the ball to Zion, give the ball to Brandon Ingram and think that those two guys can score, facilitate, organize, and do all of those things. They have to get a premier ball handler, distributor, score, scoring guard who can come out and play because that is absolutely necessary in today's game. Well, then from there, I will sprinkle in all the other parts. But if you're asking me without question, what is the availability of Zion? That's the key to the success of the New Orleans Pelicans moving forward. Well, it's interesting, you know, talking about scoring guard because Devontae Graham has been there and he's been, you know, shooting the ball at an efficient rate. But the kind of guard you describe that can play both sides of the basketball, you know, can facilitate on offense as well. The perfect player would be Drew Holiday, who they traded away for Eric Bledsoe and then went on to win a championship with the Warriors. Yes. Bucks. Yep. So it's like, cool, you've had Drew Holiday, you let him go. And then. You had Lonzo Ball, who's doing amazing things in Chicago. You traded Lonzo Ball. Like, what did they get in return for Lonzo Ball? That's that's my question. A future second and salary filling pieces? That's that's what you really got? And, uh, okay, cool. You don't want to go in that direction? The Why did Drew Holiday go to Milwaukee win a championship? Why did Lonzo Ball go to Chicago and now Chicago Bulls are one of the best teams in the East? And the New Orleans Pelicans still can't make the playoffs. That's something the New Orleans, you know, the the staff and the front office got to look at right there. Uh, because there's no doubt Zion's talented when he's on the court. There's no doubt Brandon Ingram is talented and he's on the court. But it's a team game. You can't rely on the individual talent. And um, too many times we've seen them throw away leads in the fourth quarter, crumble down the stretch. And I think if they're not careful, Zion will be on his way out of there as soon as he possibly can be because a superstar like him, when he's healthy, put up 25, 30 points a night. He wants to be in a bigger market. And if you're not winning in your small market, well, we all know what happens with that. BJ, I've got a fun question here. I've got a little bit of fun. Cause there's so many yes. people, have, so many people have asked me questions about the Celtics. And with all due respect to you guys, you know, uh, Thomas has mm. tweeted in, 
He's saying, Mo, please just reassure me the Celtics will be okay. My boy Josh is asking about whether this slump was expected expected from Jason Tatum because he's had, you know, such a great start to his career. It couldn't last forever. But the question I want you to answer is from my boy GA34, who says, if you Mm. have the chance, which former Celtic from history, not named Larry Bird, would you insert into the current Boston team? So you can... Time machine, and I know there's one answer that I've got in my head. I want to know if you're thinking the same one. Well, he never played a game there, but he was drafted by the Celtics. The late Lynn Bias, rest in peace, is who I would rest in peace, who I would insert into today's game. I was so excited to see him play, I think that was '86, I believe. I was so excited to see him play then, and unfortunately. To all of our younger listeners, you should really go back and, and, and YouTube and, and, and Google that story. But Lynn Bias would have been a phenomenal, phenomenal player then. Would probably be even better now. Let me, let me put it in so the, ahead of his time. Let me put it into context for the young listeners. If Lynn Bias had played in the NBA, he'd be in the GOAT conversations. Without that's, question. That's the levels that we're talking Without. about. We're talking about a guy, the only guy that you've really seen compared to Michael Jordan. Coming and in. With, a- well, physically, competitive-wise, he was all of that handsome. And he was bigger than Michael. Yep. And a phenomenal, phenomenal player. Another player who I played against there who I think would fit in incredibly, also rest in peace, the great Reggie Lewis. R.I.P. He would be phenomenal in today's game as well with the with the lean. He had a he had the baby step back. We didn't even know what to call it back then. But, you know, he was so ahead of his time as well as a guard, six, seven, a two way player. Quietly went about his business and handled his business in an era where at that two position at that time was thick with great players. But Reggie Lewis was a phenomenal, phenomenal player. So um, I would love to have seen or to see the great Lynn Bias. I mean, and I say great, and he never played a game in the NBA. As you know, Mo, you take a look at my 75 list of greatest players of all time. He made my list and didn't Mm -hmm. play one game in the NBA. That's how talented he was as an amateur. And I'm telling you, he would have been one of the great, great players of all time in this league if he had played and had an opportunity to play, especially in a Celtics uniform alongside the great Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, and all those other great players yes, sir. that was there. So that would have been a dynasty. How things would have changed. Yep. I think about him. I said that would have really changed the course of history if he would have played there in Boston. Yep. And it also would have bridged the gap between the endings of, you know, Bird and McHale's careers and him entering his prime. And it would have carried through towards the nice. And who knows how that would impact the rest of the history. For me, if I could put any former Celtics player in the current team, number one, I would put Kevin Garnett because all of these issues that the Celtics have of them, you know, arguing about who's taking too many shots. and all <laughs> of, You know, KG ain't letting that happen. KG's in that locker room regulating, making sure everybody knows what the deal is. The second player that I would like to see 
because I'm a bit more new school than BJ. Because obviously the obvious answer is Bill Russell, because how could you not want Bill Russell on right. your team, right? But for me, I would love to see a prime, not a current, a prime Rajon Rondo in this team. Because if the Celtics had a point guard that could really, really? control really? the game. Yeah, because everyone compares Dennis Schroeder to Rondo. I'm talking about the prime Rondo that was putting up triple doubles, playing with one broken elbow on national TV against Miami Heat on his own. He could control that offense and get Tatum and Brown the easier looks that they need to get going. So it's not them going isolation, isolation, forcing it, forcing it, forcing it. I would have Rondo coming in because prime Rondo is just Schroeder, but much, much, much better. And you saw what happened when Schroeder went off the other night. They finally won a game because he put up 40 points. So a prime Rondo or any great point guard from Celtics history. I'm not fussy. We could put any of the great point guards to a play for the Boston Celtics in because I feel like they need that direction of someone to... Bob Cousy? What yes, about, what about yes, Bob sir. Cousy? Yes, sir. I would, I would love to... Our bench is kind of thing. I'd love to have a Havlicek coming off the bench too. So there are tons of people that I would love to put in this team. But we're going to keep rolling through the questions because talking about a Celtics just makes me um, makes me kind of sad. We're going to talk about another East Coast team, though. The UK Knicks fan club have sent this one in. They want to know. Okay. With the Knicks, this is quite a good question. UK Knicks, I salute you for this question. With the Knicks struggles defensively in mind, what's more impressive? What's more important for a better defense, scheme or personnel? Personnel without question. Without question. You have to have the right personnel. Now, the thing that has been most disturbing about the Knicks is the Knicks have all of the elements to be a good team. And last year they were undervalued. We didn't understand the depth of this team. In particular, when Derrick Rose came there, it added a new dimension to their bench. Emmanuel quickly, Derrick Rose. And, Bo, I want to say this, and I want to be very clear. This kid, Obi Toppin, is a star player. My brother. He's an all-star player. He's an all-star caliber player, Mo. Well, okay? Well, we talk about Obi. Obi Toppin, if you're listening, grow your beard back. Because when you got drafted with that beard going on, hella people hit me up like Mo Y on my TV. I need a look like an AMD. <laughs> Get that beard back on your face, bro. But sorry, continue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Obi Toppin is a... He's an all-star caliber player. Now, Mitchell Robinson has all of the physical gifts that you would need from your big. He's tall. He's athletic. He can rim protect. He can finish above the rim on the offensive end. And I like what he does. I think he is a better offensive player than he's shown thus far. So I like his growth and potential of what, not what he is currently, but what he could be. So I really like what he does. R.J. Barrett gives you the effort on that end to be a really solid two-way player in this league. As you know, I picked him as the most improved player to average over 20 points a game. You have Julius Randle, who has all of the physical strengths that you need to be a good player. And now they've added two veterans in their starting lineup. I like the team's depth. I like what they do. Alec Burke is there. And, you know, they have players that aren't even playing who I think are good players. In particular, I love the kid Knox, Kevin Knox. I love Knox. I'm a Knox fan. I love his length. 
I know he hasn't shown it, but I think this kid will find it, whether hopefully it's there in New York or somewhere else. He kind of showed it in his rookie year and then hasn't showed it since because he kind of fell out of the favor in the rotation and whatever else was going on there. But well, they started winning. Yeah. yeah. You saw glimpses in his rookie year. Yes. So I, I like what they have. I like the young players that they drafted. And so I think you have to have the physical, you know, there's some physical, there's some physical, you know, attributes that you need to be a good defensive player. No doubt about it. You can't just give effort and energy and and hustle all the time. You got to have some physical capability. And I think the Knicks have it. So I would tend to lean towards having a talented team, athletes, length, guys who can play the speed and quickness of the game, but more importantly, they can play above the rim because you're going to need that if you're going to be a good defensive team in today's game. Yep. Uh, my, my take on this is if you have a team that includes great defenders, great personnel on the defensive end, we've talked about, you know, Marcus Smarts, the Evan Mobley's, the David Mitchell's, the Drew Holiday's of the world. They could cover up the deficiencies if you have a defensive scheme that isn't, you know, the best in the world. But if you have players who are not good defenders, there isn't a scheme out there that can really and truly hide them when it counts. Because when the game slows down, like when you watch LeBron James, when you really take in LeBron James in the playoffs in particular, his favorite thing to do is get one of the guards to come and set screen for him. So the defense has to switch. And now he's just got a point guard or a shooting guard guarding him. That's not typically known as a great defender. He would do it to Kemba Walker, for example, seeing as we're talking about the Knicks. It doesn't matter what scheme you could pre-switch, you can try and do all of that. But at the end of the day, a great player like LeBron is still going to get the matchup he wants and go at that matchup. When it's like, cool, regular season, whatever. But when it comes to crunch time, he's going to find a way to get a matchup. So having guys that committed on the defense... Can I ask you one question? One simple question. Did you just say Evan Mobley 15 games into his career as a great defensive player? Did I just hear that, Mo? Did did you slip that in? Yes. Did the listeners... Did the listeners listen, listen. hear that? I thought I thought I heard that. And I said, wait a minute. Mo just put Evan Mobley as a great defensive player 15 games into his rookie campaign. Bro, let me tell you one thing. Let me tell you one thing. As a Celtics fan, we played the Cavaliers last week. We're playing them again tonight. Yes, you did. And Mo, I we have... need to talk about it. Can no, we spend we two minutes no, on no, that? No, 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 can no, we, no. Can no. we spend two I, minutes on that, Mo? I, I have PTSD of Evan Mobley. I, I don't want to see. I don't want to see Mo. him against the Celtics ever again. I've, I've seen it now. Did you see? Did no. you see him guard Jason Tatum without help and blocked key shots during key, key possessions of the game? And he was so good that the offense went away for him. Went away from him. In the last possession, did you see that moment? Yeah. Remember, was it just I, my television here in this. I was I was telling you about this on two weeks ago, about how when you're a great defender, offenses will just try to get away from you. But yeah, the Celtics play the Cavs again tonight. We're recording this on Monday. They're playing against tonight. Ah oh, man, I've, I've had enough. I don't want to talk about the Celtics anymore. Uh, <laughs> 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 you know what? You, you want to know something, BJ? You want to know something funny? I was at the barbers the other day. It was my birthday. I thought, let me treat myself to a haircut. I went to the barbers, right? And, you know, on Tuesday on Heat Check Show, we joked. Um, I was making jokes about, you know, the Celtics are making my hairline recede. I'm getting my haircut at the barbershop. 
my barber's cut my hair and he goes, yo, your hairline's going back a little bit, you know, bro. What's going on? Are you stressed? <laughs> <laughs> like, is and your bad? reply was and your reply was I, I was like bro i can't even begin to tell you and he's like oh what, what's happening man is it is it women is it money i was like bro it's the damn boston celtics <laughs> <laughs> the seas did it again <laughs> oh um, listen i it's still early. That's all I'm ho- holding on hope for is it's still early. I've got a question in uh, from Jordan Cooper, long-time listener, who says, will the Raptors figure out with Siakam's return? They're 0-3 with him in the team since he's been back. Now, obviously, the Raptors not only have to reintegrate Siakam, they're now playing a completely different team. They've got a brand-new rookie in Scott Barnes. There's no Kyle Lowry. Their whole way of playing has changed. You know, they gave OG the keys to the offense to start the season. So obviously it's going to take some time and you can't expect instant results with Siakam coming back in. BJ, I want to know from your perspective what it's like reintegrating key players into a team. Because obviously throughout your career, there's been stages where you've missed time or and then you've come back into a team. So from that perspective, and there's been times where perhaps teammates have missed time and you've had to step up in their absence and then they've re-entered the lineup and how that's changed things for you. Well, this kid, Scotty Barnes, is going to be a really, really good basketball player. I mean, right now he's showing you just the beginning stages of who he could be. You know, I've watched him now for about 10 games or so, and you can see that he really has the potential to be a great player, especially on the defensive end. And the thing that I'm most concerned about Siakam's return is how he's going to fit on the defensive end. Offensively, he's going to figure out how to score. And I think that has disrupted the flow of the Toronto Raptors. Now, Fred Van Fleet is a key player and a key player that I want to talk about in this equation on his return because Fred Van Fleet is absolutely necessary as a ball distributor organizer at that lead guard position you know with Fred Fred has always had the you know if you will a crutch in Kyle Lowry to really where those two guys would really you not only have one terrific ball handler on the floor but you had two when both of them played together now in Fred Van Fleet's absence you can see that this is a problem for the Toronto Raptors so Fred I'm not going to push the panic button just yet I'm going to let Fred get in there, settle in. I want to see this team, how they're going to mesh for about 10 to 15 games. But it appears to me that this kid that they just drafted here, um, got a name, I can't, what's his name? Um, we were just talking about him. Um, Scotty Barnes. Yeah, Scotty Barnes. Scotty Barnes is going to be here and he's going to be in that lineup. Now, what does that mean for OG? What does that mean for Yakum? We're going to have to figure that out. But Scotty Barnes is going to be there without question. And I think he is the future. He looks like he could be a special player. You know, he reminds me in some ways of a taller version of Kawhi Leonard. Interesting take. Just long, athletic. His defense is way ahead of his offense, but you can see he can do some things like he can 
he maneuvers around the court, you know, and, and takes up space on, you know, as an offensive player and a defensive player. And I think over time he will improve as a three-point shooter and extend away further away from the basket. But he reminds me of a young Tim Duncan. So I really like him. A young I Tim Duncan. The key. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Kawhi Leonard. I was thinking you Kawhi got a little too much dip yeah. on your chip right now, yeah, BJ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. too no, early no, in the morning Leonard. to be talking no, like this. No, Kawhi. <laughs> no, Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Another great He reminds me of Kawhi champion. Leonard. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, Kawhi Leonard. That's who he reminds me of. Well, that's the build that Masai loves. Be the, I think he's the building box. I think he's the building block for this. That's the build of player that Masai Jiri loves to get because, of course, he traded for Kawhi Leonard to win the championship. But, you know, having OG there, they went and got... Precious in that trade as well for the sign and trade for Kyle Lowry. You know, these long athletic players that can really push the pace. That's what I think they're going to try and do. And I think they're clocking on to what the Cavs have clocked on to is that the future of the NBA is we're going to soon have a league where the threes, the fours, and the fives are all going to be seven foot tall. Because seven footers aren't just going to be standing at the bucket blocking shots. They're going well, to be so that, that means that mm-hmm. that means the Cleveland Cavaliers are ahead of the curve. Yes, because that's currently what they're doing right yes. now with yes. Lori Marketing and 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 Evan Mobley. But it, and, not every team will be able to do that because there's a only a finite amount of seven foot players who have the versatility to play at the three or the four. You know what I mean? Not every right. not every team has that. But you know, talking about players coming back into a lineup, Miles is asking when Clay returns, should he be reinserted straight to the starting lineup or come off the bench? as a sixth man. So maybe BJ, from your perspective, as a former player coming off an injury, do you want to go straight in at the deep end and be back in the start lineup? Or do you want to come off the bench and wrap your minutes up slowly, but surely, and then get back into the start? Well, it's great to see that Clay Thompson is making progress to getting back on the court. Now, I think it would be easier for him to integrate himself back into the framework of the team by coming off the bench, because I'm not expecting Clay Thompson to miss this much time and then suddenly be the Clay Thompson that he was prior to the season playing against frontline players. And don't forget this Mo and our listeners is that Clay Thompson took on all the responsibility of guarding the other team's best offensive player, whether he was a point guard or two guard. And that's unfair to think that Clay Thompson is suddenly just going to start and get back to doing that on day one. So I think it would be better for him to integrate himself me five to eight or potentially 12 minutes doing that where every minute counts. But the one thing I don't want him to do is to get exposed early and lose confidence because anyone that is coming back off of those type of injuries will tell you, you know, you don't come back from an ACL and an Achilles and suddenly you're back to who you are. So I think it's going to take time. I think for him and the team, I think it would be better for him to integrate himself, come off the bench and kind of figure out the matchups he can play against night in and night out. Got an interesting one here from the Spurs UK fan club. Oh. They said, shout out to the San Antonio fans. It's a little bit of a tough time for you, but you've enjoyed 20 years of dominance. So I don't feel too bad. The question that he has is, well, he's got a few questions, but the one that stands out to me is, if the season ended today with the standings how they are, okay, yes. who wins the championship? Because we talk about, oh, the Lakers will figure it out throughout the season or the Milwaukee Bucks got injuries, but when everyone's back. If the season ended today, the Milwaukee Bucks, Toronto Raptors and Boston Celtics aren't even in the playoffs. So if the season ended right this second, 
with the Wizards at the top of the East, the Warriors at the top of the West, who do you think would win a hypothetical playoffs if they began right now? Well, Mo, I'm looking for my sunglasses because I'm going <laughs> to the Valley of the Sun right now. <laughs> and I'm putting my shades on because that's where the championship would be if it ended today. I think they are the best team right now in the NBA. They have the most depth as far as playing a high level caliber of basketball. And I think Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and Frank the Tank. Frank the Tank. Okay, coming off the bench. (laughs) Frank the Tank coming off the bench. You cannot stop Frank the Tank. You can only hope to contain him. But all jokes aside, I really like Phoenix. I think Phoenix is poised. And I really like their bigs, especially JaVale McGee. You know, DeAndre Ayton provided for them length and rim protection. And he's continuing to do that. And I think gives them that dimension that you're going to need to get through the playoffs. So I, I, I really think if the season ended today, they would be the team to beat. That's true. And they're coming off the experience and the cohesion as a unit, having been to the NBA finals. You know, a lot of these teams, like the Washington Wizards, they're a new team. The Brooklyn Nets are still trying to find their chemistry. The Chicago Bulls are a new team. So I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. There's a lot of Chicago Bulls fans who are sending questions that I'm sure would disagree with that because they have been balling out this season. There's a lot of love for Alex Caruso on social media, which is nice that Caruso is now getting the recognition as a great defender rather than just being, I feel like when he was with the Lakers, people just used him as a meme. Like, ha this bold white guy, he's in the Lakers team. Da, 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 da. Now people are actually realizing, yo, this guy's legit. Second in the league for steals. After, uh, do you know who's leading the NBA in steals? Hmm. Leading, is it Bradley Bill? Nope. If you take one look at my face right now, you will know the answer. <laughs> Paul George. No, I have no, no idea who. Marcus Smart. You know the vibes. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you went you went the other way because I'm smiling. You thought I was laughing and maybe Paul George, but actually I'm smiling because <laughs> it's the one thing, the one bright spark for the Celtics. But okay, a few more questions before we wrap this up because we've got so many to go through. I feel like we're gonna have to do two parts to this show. We'll do another part next week sure. answering all the questions we didn't get to. We have an interesting one that has come in from Barnsley who said, if you had to pick between, this is similar to what we discussed in a previous episode where if we opened a brand new franchise right now, how we'd start with Giannis. He said, if you were happening to open a franchise right now and you were given the option to pick between LeBron, Katie or Stephen Curry to start your franchise around right now, who would you pick? LeBron, KD, or Stephen Curry right now? Oh, KD. KD. Kevin Durant. KD. Kevin Durant. Why? Here's why. Kevin Durant. There are scores. You know, we say there's three level scores. And then there's Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is an elite scorer in any era that you play. And he is capable of winning a series, 
all by himself. He's one of he is at that level. And there's not many players that you can say that about in the NBA at in any given era. Kevin Durant is in that elite category where Kevin Durant can win 50 games in a regular season by himself. Kevin Durant can win a playoff game and win 16 games in the playoffs by himself because he can overwhelm you on the offensive end. Just, as just long, that. Just he as, can just overwhelm. Like, just as long as he doesn't step his foot too far on he, the he line. Can, <laughs> yes. Kevin Durant is just that elite of an, of an offensive player where I've never seen a player who is literally open every time he catches the ball because he can just see over the top of the defense. There aren't many players. There, I, there's only like two or three players I can think right off the top. Giannis, who is seven foot, could you know d- provide some level of distraction. Anthony Davis could do that. And now we have a new player, Evan Mobley. I can't wait to that first matchup because he's starting at the three position. So Kevin Durant, I would start right now and know that I can have what you just called earlier. And I agree with you, Mo, seven footers across the front line with Kevin Durant because he is he's seven one. He's got to stop going with this six ten, six eleven stuff. He's a damn liar. He, he, yeah, might be, he might be the only man on planet Earth who lies about his height to make himself shorter. The amount yeah, of, bro, let me just, let me just tell you this one thing. The amount of guys that are out there listening to this, you know who you are, who tell girls, nah, I'm six foot, but really you're five foot 10. <laughs> okay. Just know, I know you're listening to this right now. I know you're listening to this show. And if you're listening to this in the car with your girlfriend in the car, you're starting to sweat right now. Because when you first met, you told her you were six foot one, but really you're five foot nine, five foot 10. Just know there's an epidemic of guys like this out there. And I'm on to you. I see you. And the girls, they're smartening up. They know. Because when they see the real big boss Don Mo walk in the room, they're like, hold on, my boyfriend says he's your height, but you're so much taller than him. Oh, no, what now? But Kevin Durant is the opposite. This man lies and says he's shorter than he is. I don't know why he does that. Maybe because he really wants to just play the three. And he just got so used to pretending to be smaller. So he didn't get forced to be a big because in youth basketball, when you're tall, they try and force you to be a big. Maybe that's why. And he just got into that habit. I don't know why he lies about being six. I've I've heard him say six foot 10. He's seven foot one, seven foot two. He is too tall and it's unfair. Yeah. He's, he's every bit of that. So yeah, he could play the two as well. That's the, that's the wildest part. Oh, what's our question? He can play the two. He can do whatever he wants. Katie went to the Cavaliers right now. They'd play him at the two and they'd have four seven footers on the court at the same time. Like it's, it's unfair. It's unfair. We're going to get into the final question right now. Yes. The final question. There's so many. I really don't know which I'm literally just scrolling down the list and picking them at random. There's no actual order to how we've done the show, which is kind of unorganized, but we keep it hundred with you guys. So the last question for this episode, there will be a part two and you, you can tweet us still with more questions and we could even do a part three, but this question comes in from Chris Rose, not related to Derek. Oh, just in case there's any confusion, Chris Rose, okay. if I click on his profile is a, a politics graduate from the university of Birmingham who supports the Memphis Grizzlies and all views oh. are his own. Anyway, he's asking, 
which star or high profile player is likely to be the next to ask out? And where do you realistically think they could land on the trade market right now? So which big name do you think is next to be on the move? BJ Armstrong. Who's going to be the next disgruntled star player? Well, let's go to the obvious choice. He's right there in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, Ben mm. Simmons. Well, I think he's already asked out. So, so he's, okay, he's, he's already, already asked. Okay, he's already asked. In my head, do you know who I'm thinking about? Who you think he got? I'm thinking about Carl Anthony Towns in Minnesota. Because Carl Anthony Towns last week, in fact, was on Twitter and he favorited a tweet about him leaving. And then he did the typical, oh, guys, I got hacked. It wasn't really me. You expect me to believe that someone hacked into your Twitter account, multimillionaire NBA superstar, and all they did was favorite one tweet. They didn't tweet out anything, Matt. So they didn't slide into no DMs. They didn't hack anything else. They just favorited one tweet and locked off. You, you think I'm going to believe that, Cole? Well, mm. you, know, you know who I think is going to leave? Jason Tatum to it's the Lakers. James Harden. Oh, oh, James Harden. James Harden. During the James season Harden. or in the summer? I think he's setting up with this in mind. I think if they win a championship, I think James Harden leaves. And if they lose this year, I think he leaves. Where do you think he goes? I think James Harden wants to return back to being James Harden. See, you you know, it's something that's interesting that I've been watching here for quite some time. Is when you see these disgruntled players want to leave. I'm going all the way back to Dwight Howard. Mm, in Orlando, the Dwight man. In Orlando, yeah. When these players leave, you know what's interesting? They're never the they're never that player at their second stop. True. They're never that player. And unless, unless you're James Kevin Harden, Kevin Durant. Again, there are always anomalies. Yeah. To every situation. Kevin Durant, as I said earlier, he's just a premier. There's the rest of the NBA and then there's Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is is a different type of player. I mean, that's just, he's what we would consider or I consider, I call a standalone player. Mm -hmm. He he could play with you and I and average 30 in the game. (laughs) Right? I can't move more. Maybe you can push around a little bit. I can't move at all. I can set some good screens. That's what I'll do for KD. Well, if I set a screen, if I said a screen, he would probably reject it. He was like, you're just bringing more defense, more <laughs> defensive players to me. So he probably would reject me. But at least you can roll. I can't even roll. <laughs> I can't. So I think James Harden wants that ball back in his hand. And I think James Harden now appreciates the point guard position more than he's ever appreciated because you have to dictate and distribute the basketball and do all of those things. I think James Harden is going to leave because he wants that ball back in his hand. And I think he wants to score 30 again. Okay. I'm I'm that's what I see. I'm watching him 
And I'm saying to myself, he is going to want to get that ball back in his hand because I'm, I'm watching all of these players. It always sounds good. Oh, I want out. I need help. I need those things. But let me tell you something, Mo. It is very difficult to find a team in an organization where they run all through you and then get traded to another team and all those guys just go, sure. And I think that I think James Harden said that Russell Westbrook, you can look at it. You can look at John no. Wall. You can look at all of these uh, Carmelo Anthony. You just just keep going down the list of all of these players who end up moving, and it's never the same. Now you say, What about LeBron James? Well, LeBron James is a little different. He's a standalone player. Kevin Durant is a little different. LeBron but James. I don't see it happening for the majority of the players well, well, that has to be in, in fairness. For LeBron, even his first season with the Lakers, I know there was injuries, but that first season in with Miami, the Lakers didn't it work didn't really out. happen for him. The first, yeah, first season in Miami, they lost against Denver. Is it in Miami? Yeah. So, you know, I just think it's interesting to watch this. And I think James Harden now is probably saying, you know, he wouldn't admit it, but I think he's probably saying, you know what? I miss averaging 30, I miss being the guy. I miss being a, you know, one thing I always admired about the star players. If I missed my first five shots, I was coming out of the game. <laughs> when you're a star player, you miss your first five shots. You're just warming up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you miss your first 10, 15 shots. And it's like, okay, we got to run some plays, some isos to get you going. Mm-hmm. If I did that, I wouldn't play for the rest of the month. <laughs> so I think these guys miss that i think when you find it hold on to it for as long as you can because i'm telling you it's that's a beautiful way to play and i expect james harden to move whether they win or lose this year i think he's out of there out of uh, brooklyn all right that's a hot take we're gonna have to see whether or not that comes true but we're gonna have to see whether or not you guys at home subscribe and share the hoop Gears podcast to help us get further up in the podcast charts, you know the vibes. BJ, thank you for being around today, answering some of the questions from the fans and providing us with your knowledge as always. We're going to be back, like I said, for a part two next week. So if you have more questions, tweet us your questions. We'll get them added to the list. And as always, you know the vibes. BJ, you got anything you want to say to the people before we leave them this week? They better take the mic from me. Because hey. I'm about to burn it up. They better take this mic from me, Mo. I, 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 I'm I, about I, to burn hey, it up. We're, good. we're good. <laughs> gonna chill right now. They're not ready for that. They're not ready for that yet. When we hit number one, maybe they get some fire straight down the microphone. But until then, you guys know the vibes. Stay safe and of course, get buckets. <laughs>